you don't want to miss the men's breakfast, make sure you sign up for that. Joey's going to be sharing his testimony of how God has brought him through such a long journey to where he is today. Uh, let me encourage you to sign up in the lobby if you haven't. Uh, Baptism Sunday is February 3rd, and Next Steps class is as well. If you haven't signed up for those, if you haven't been baptized, let me encourage you to do that. That's a part of your walk with God. It's an important part of it. We continue the series today on fight for it. So turn around, look at your neighbor and say, fight for it. So we've talked about fighting for our faith. We've talked about that we're never alone. Today we're going to talk about the fight for forgiveness. I think sometimes that this may be one of the biggest challenges that we face is that fight to forgive. In Psalms 32 and 1, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Say that with me. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I want you to think about a man on death row, and all of a sudden he finds out that he's been pardoned. How many of you know he's going to feel pretty blessed? Psalms 86 and 5 said, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Let's pray together today. Father, I thank you for your word, that it's life to us. God, thank you for all those that have gathered here. Lord, all those that are watching online right now, I just ask that you'd extend your hand and your presence to them. And let them know, God, that you're ready to forgive. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. How many of you have ever been on the receiving end of forgiveness? You know what I'm talking about? Isn't it, isn't, doesn't that feel good? I mean, really. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, let's get to where the rubber meets the road. It feels good to be forgiven. It's a wonderful feeling. You break something. Especially if you as a kid, you ever break, you ever see that sign in the stores? What's it say? You break it, you bought it. My dad, there were five siblings and my dad used to get us in line before we went into a store and he'd look at us and say, you keep your hands in your pocket. Don't you touch anything on these shelves. And everyone we would, whenever we went to visit people, they would always compliment how well behaved we were. We just wanted to live. We just, you know, it, it was just, a, you know, for survival purposes, you know, keep, keep your hands in, because dad didn't play, man. I mean, he, you know, he, he left school in the eighth grade because they had recess and he don't play. And so he, he just, you know, he, so it was hands in your pocket. And, but have you ever been there when all, you accidentally broke something? And, all, and then the person, hey, 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 come, you're going to have to pay for that. And man, it, it makes you feel diminished and belittled and, you know, and it wasn't intentional. And sometimes I wonder if they, it wasn't already broken and they just had it propped up there waiting for somebody to come by and breathe on it. But to be forgiven that makes you feel, one. If you, if you broke something, if you've ever been at someone's house and accidentally broke something and they say, oh, don't worry about that. That was just my finest china. <laughs> they forgive and forgiveness feels good. You ever have a fender bender, accidentally back up, hit somebody's car and dent it and they said, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing. No, you never had that happen. Huh? <laughs> That's what we want to happen, isn't it? If, if we have an accident, if we, we have something that happens, we want forgiveness. And when we receive it, we rejoice over it. Do you ever pump your tank full of gas and reach into your pocket and realize you left your wallet at home? Been there. I got the T-shirt for that one. I went in and they said, 
you know, I, I said, man, I am sorry. I forgot. Well, you know, let me have your driver's license. You don't understand. <laughs> I left my wallet at home, you know, and it's and, and so it's, you know, and, it, and there's that look on their face like, you know, well, they, they, yeah, right. You just said, you know, and it, but when somebody, when you go in and you say, I am so sorry, I, I, I pumped gas. I didn't realize I left my wallet at the house. And folks, this has happened to me on more than one occasion. Not, not, not so much about the gas that happened to me at least once in my life. And there's a possibility there may be a couple other times in there, but in the Walmart, especially, you know, when I've gotten in line and I've, I've been, I, and they've already checked me out and then you've got all those patient shoppers behind you. And you, you remember that you left your, and I said, man, I got to run out and get my wallet. Well, you know what they do is they hold the line up and, and everybody's looking at you, man, I, I, I ought to belong in the marathon or the Olympics or something, man. You talk about sprinting when you got 15 angry people behind you, it'll make you run. But to have them say, look, it's okay. I understand. Just bring it by the next time you're in. It makes you feel good on the inside. It makes you feel blessed. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. You imagine a guy on death row and getting a phone call and saying, look, you've been pardoned. Not because you're innocent. Not because you're innocent but because you're forgiven. We love that feeling, but when it, what about when we're the one that's being asked to forgive? That one doesn't come so easy, does it? Scripture tells us in Luke 17, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, Forgive him. See, we don't have any problem with that first part. I can get into that. Brother sins against you, rebuke him. Honest to goodness, this is God's truth. I was, I, I was doing a camp. <laughs> James was remembering this. I was doing a camp meeting, and I had, it was a youth camp, and this has been several years ago, and I had two grown men get into it with each other. And they were, they were on the campground in front of all the kids. And they said, I rebuke you, brother. Well, I rebuke you back, brother. Well, I rebuke your rebuke, brother. <laughs> well, you make me want to puke, brother. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's just, it just, you know, I'm thinking, what is going on? What? And so we don't have any trouble when we get to rebuke someone. But when he said to forgive them, see, he didn't say let the sin go uncalled. He didn't say let it, let it go unnoticed. He said rebuke it. But then if he repents, forgive it. We struggle to forgive. It is a fight to forgive. Now listen to what Jesus says because he's not done yet. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. He didn't say you can if you want to. You've got to forgive him that first time. But if he messes up after that, I'm going to leave that in your court. You, you make the call on that. That's not what he said. He said, you shall forgive him. <laughs> when they find out that they have to forgive not just once or twice, but repeatedly, and if that wasn't bad enough, they've discovered that they've got to repeatedly forgive the same person. I mean, it's one thing, if, well, okay, you know, I forgive you, you know, and I've, I've, got, I've got you covered. I forgave you once. You, you slapped me again. Look out, Jack. <laughs> But when they find out that they've got to forgive the same person and do it repeatedly in the same day, I mean, at least spread it out. You know, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll forgive you, but don't, don't cross me again for about three to five years because that's, that's the healing part, you know. 
takes me to get over you messing with me the first time. And then, and, but he says, you've got to do it seven times in a day. They look at that and they say, man, you've got to be kidding me. They're, well, look at their response. You know they're thinking it because their response is, Lord, increase our faith. Man, I, you, you've got to be kidding, God. I, you, you really expect me to do that? You want, you, you're going to have to help me out here. Increase our faith. And this is Jesus' response to their asking for their faith to be increased. He said, if you've got faith like a grain of mustard seed, and I'm not going, I, I preach a message called mustard seed faith and go into the characteristics of that, but I don't want to do that today. What I want you to notice today is what he equates it to. He said, if you have faith, this is what faith can do. Faith can say to a tree, be pulled up by the roots. Everybody say, get the root. He didn't say cut off a branch or chop down a limb. He said, but faith can get the root of it and pull it up and cast it into a sea. And if you say that in faith, it'll happen. I thought about that and then I remembered Paul's words to us. Paul comes to us and he, he tells us the danger of these roots. In Hebrews 12 and 15, he says, look after each other. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm supposed to look after you. Now think about this. Listen, listen to how this follows. He said, look after each other so that, no, that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Not look after each other to make sure you're rebuking one another whenever you need to be rebuked. Well, I've got my eye on you, and the first time you need a rebuking, I'm there. No, he said, you look after each other so that no one fails to receive the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. What a tragedy that you could live your life and fail to receive his grace when it's so freely given, when it's there. He said, whosoever will, let him come to me. I'll give him rest. He said, do you understand? Don't let your brother go through life and fail to receive that. How many times when someone does us wrong, do we respond by saying, look, grace is available to you? Do we respond by trying to share with them the grace of God when we're the one that's been wrong? Now, if they wrong someone else, that's okay. You know, I, well, you know, you need to forgive that person. But when it's you that has to do the forgiving, it can become a different story. Now, listen to what he says. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Because when bitterness gets in your life, it doesn't just corrupt you, it corrupts many. Because when you're operating out of bitterness, you spread it. Bitterness is like poison ivy. You get close to it and it can get on you. And he's saying you need to be giving them the grace of God. Make sure that they're receiving the grace of God and watch out for that root of bitterness. Now, it's not a coincidence that Jesus talks to them about forgiving their brother. They're taken back by, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, I could forgive once, but you're telling me to forgive him seven times in the same day? And he said, I, they realize I can't do that on my own. And we have to realize we can't do that on our own, but we can do it Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. 
when Paul made that statement, he wasn't talking about conquering devils and all that. He was talking about, look, I know what it's like to be filled with abundance, and I know what it's like to go without. I know what it's like to be on both ends of that spectrum, and I'm telling you that I can do all things through Christ. I know what it's like for somebody to love me, and I know what it's like for somebody to hate me, and I can do all things. I can forgive through Christ. But hear me, it's a fight to forgive. It's a struggle within our flesh to forgive. These roots are poisonous and it'll kill you if you let it. That's why there's such a struggle involved in it. They, medically, they've discovered that bitterness can cause cancer. It's not the only thing that causes cancer, but bitterness can cause it. That's why you have to let go of it. I'm going to do a series of clips with you in just a moment, we're going to start. And I, I want to talk to you about each clip because in each clip, there's something to learn about bitterness and about letting go. The story's a familiar one. It's the story of the Count of Monte Cristo, a young man that was deceived by his supposedly best friend, set up with a murder charge and treason, which none were true, but his friend did this horrific act against him. Let's watch it. I'm allowed to go home. From now on, your home is a prison chateau deep. No! 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 Hey! I've been arrested for treason. I barely managed to escape. When we were on Elba, Napoleon gave me a letter. I didn't tell you because he made me promise not to. Said it was just a note to an old friend. He lied. It was to one of his agents. Somehow the authorities found out. I don't, I don't know what to do. There's gendarmes on horseback right behind me. All right, you just have to think. I hope I haven't compromised you. I was hoping your father could help me. He's in Paris, he's very ill. How far back are the gendarmes? Minutes. Do you need money? Yes, thank you. Do you have a pistol? Of course not. Good. Stop it, Fernand. I don't have time for this. I saw Napoleon give you that letter. He lied to me! I know, Edmond. I read the letter. You read? Why are you doing this? Oh, it's complicated. Complicated. Ah! Why? In God's name, why? Because you're the son of a clerk. And I'm not so. Now let it run. Supposed to want to be you. Okay. Okay, stop it. Did you hear the reason he gave? He said, because you're the son of a clerk and I'm not supposed to want to be you. Jealousy. The Bible said that jealousy is as cruel as the grave. How many times have people struck out because they were jealous? Do you understand? Even your walk with God, people are jealous of that when all of a sudden you find peace and the person or the people that you used to run with don't have that and now they see it in your life, oftentimes instead of desiring the same thing, they get jealous of what you got. And they begin to strike out. It's what Cain did to Abel. 
God spoke to Cain and he said, look, why are you upset? He said, if you do what's right, here's, here's the sin in Cain's sacrifice. Abel gave the firstlings of the flock. In other words, Abel gave God his first fruit, first things. The Bible said that Cain gave of the fruit of the ground. He didn't give the first fruit. He just gave of the fruit of the ground. And God said to him, Cain, if you do what's right, if you give me your first fruit, if you put me first in your life, then everything's going to be well and you're going to be accepted. But if not, if you keep trying to put me in the background, sin's waiting at your door and it's going to come after you. Cain wouldn't receive God and then he killed Abel because Abel did. This man ends up in a prison for 13 years for a crime he never committed. I want you to watch the transformation that happens. Run it. Welcome, Monsieur Dantes. I am Armand Doliac, the Warden of Chateau Deep. <clears throat> Monsieur, I know you must hear this a great deal, but I assure you, I am innocent. <laughs> Everyone must say that, I know, but I truly am. Innocent? Yes. I know. I really do know. You mock me? No, my dear Dantes. I know perfectly well that you are innocent. Why else would you be here? God will give me justice. People are always trying to motivate themselves. Or they keep calendars. But soon they lose interest. Or they die. There's a window. And all I'm left with is a rather unsightly wall, I'm afraid. So, I've conceived out another way to help our prisoners keep track of time. Every year, on the anniversary of their imprisonment, we hurt them. Usually just a simple beating, really. Although, on their first day here, in your case, today, I like to do something rather special. <laughs> And if you're thinking just now, why me, oh God? The answer is, God has nothing to do with it. In fact, God is never in France this time of year. God has everything to do with it. He's everywhere. He sees everything. All right. Let's make a bargain, shall we? You ask God for help? And I'll stop the moment he shows up. So when he first arrives, he makes the plea, I'm innocent. How many of you have ever been falsely accused? How many of you have ever had to pay a price for something you didn't do? I just want you to keep in mind that you're not alone because the price Jesus paid was for something he did not do. And so what ends up happening is they walk into that. He said, I'm innocent. He said, I know you are. And he wasn't mocking him. He, He said, that's why you're here because Do you understand? The world will chew you up and spit you out. The world isn't concerned about your innocence. The Bible said that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's that's what he operates. That's his desire is to destroy you. When they went inside that cell, the inscription was, God will give me justice. They strung that man up and he said, and if you're saying to yourself, where, oh God, why me? He said, God's got nothing to do with it. He's not even in France this time of year. To which he responded, God has everything to do with it. God's everywhere. He sees everything. Do you believe it? Then if you believe it, you have to hang on to it 
even when it seems like he's not there. Now hear me, because you're going to go through seasons of your life that you don't understand. There are going to be things that you face that you think, God, how is this you? You have to understand something, that God gave us all free will, the ability to choose. And because of that, sometimes we are adversely impacted by other people's choices, not God's will. Oh, come on. You need to get this because a lot of people miss this. And so we hear this, 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 this thing, that this, this doctrine being preached. Well, you know, it, God intended for every, God knows everything that happened and he, he intended for it all. No, he didn't. He knew it was coming, but he didn't intend for it all. When he created Adam and Eve, did he intend for them to sin? No, he knew it was going to happen. So he made a way of escape for them. Do you understand that in your life when bad things happen, God didn't intend it? but he made a way for us to escape. He made a way for us to get out. God will give me justice. But his demeanor changes from the first day he arrived until the 11th year that he's there. Watch. Once I was as you are now, but I promise... It will pass. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, God. There's no talk of God in here, priest. What about the inscription? It's faded. Just as God has faded from my heart. And what has replaced it? Revenge. Come on. Light. Light, quick, light! Oh, please, God. What is that? Look, look, look! Roots, plant roots. If these are plant roots, then we are only months away. Yes. Well done, priest. I'll get my chisel. Priest! Lungs. Punctured. Don't talk. Listen. Don't talk. Not much time. Unless those books. There's loose rocks. Bring me what you find. Quickly, quickly. Oh, Oberlin. Island off the Italian coast. Monte Cristo. Yes. Use, use your head. Follow the clue. The tunnel's blocked. I can't keep escape. Keep digging. When you escape, use it for good. Only for good. No, I will surely use it for my revenge. Here now is your final lesson. Do not commit... Oh, do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. God said vengeance is mine. I don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. He believes in you. So he makes a statement and he said, there's no talk of God in here, priest. And he said, well, what about the inscription? God will give me justice. He said, it's faded like God has faded from my heart. If you're not careful, you succumb to your emotion rather than standing on his word. And he said, well, what's replaced it? And the young man said, revenge, a root of bitterness. They tunnel a way of escape out and it collapsed on the priest. He reveals a treasure map to the young man and he said, when you 
get it, use it only for good. He said, no, I'll surely use it for my revenge. He said, now learn the final lesson. Don't commit the crime for which you now serve. Never become what someone accused you of. Never allow your character to be diminished and become what they said you were. But always stand up and hold on to God. He said, I don't believe in God. Anybody ever been there in a moment of weakness and a moment of trial and a moment of despair? And he said, it doesn't matter because God still believes in you. You need to hear this today. God believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself. God refused to give up on you when you already gave up. When you were ready to walk away and throw in the towel, God said, no, 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 no. I've got a purpose and I've got a plan for your life. That man was consumed with bitterness. His whole life had been 16 years of it ends up being stolen from him. And he gets so focused on going after the revenge that he doesn't realize that now, even after he's free, he's still in prison. Even after it's over, they still hold you captive if you allow bitterness to well up in your heart and you refuse to forgive. You're being held captive by your unforgiveness. Watch what he discovers at the end. did I escape? With difficulty. How did I plan this moment? With pleasure. So you've taken Mercedes. And everything else. Except your life. Why are you doing this? It's complicated. Let's just say it's vengeance. For the life you stole from me. Someone has tortured the sword. How did you ever call yourself my friend? We were friends, Edmund. Why? Take your vengeance. But know the blood you spill is noble. Blood that will never run through your veins. You're no more a count than I am a commoner! everything and I have nothing. I promise you, and God, all that was used for vengeance will now be used for good. So rest in peace, my friend.
when he came to the place that he had worked so hard to get for all those years, had been consumed by, he couldn't do it. He couldn't take the man's life, and he realized those were wasted years. He forgave him and let him go, but some people just won't let it go. Contrast the two. He had spared his life and let him ride away, but he came riding back, and here's the reason. He said, I could never live in a world where you have everything and I have nothing. It's one of the things that we wrestle with in our flesh. Peter wrestled with it. He looked at Jesus and he said, what about that man? What will he do? And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, if I let that man live until I come again, what's that any business of yours? He said, you follow me. Sometimes we get so consumed with looking at each other and judging each other that we're forgetting about the grace that's been extended to us and the mercy that we can have. And at the end, he said, you're right, priest, you're right. That man could have lived, but he couldn't let it go. And he rode back and his life ended. We don't have to end our life that way. We can embrace the goodness of God and the gift of God. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is covered. Do you understand how precious that is? that he would love me enough that he would wipe away all my sin and not just wipe it away, but protect me from it. Not, he casts it into a sea of forgetfulness and you're not allowed to go fishing there. He protects us and covers us with his own blood. You say, but pastor, you don't get it. You don't know what they put me through. You're right. I don't understand. But he does because he went through it too. And look how he responded when they crucified him on Calvary's cross. He looked out over that multitude and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What was he saying? He's saying, I'm releasing all the bitterness. I release the hurt. Do you think... He wasn't tempted with it. The scripture said he was tempted in all like manner as we are. Do you think he wasn't tempted when they spit in his face, when they beat him till he was unrecognizable, when they took a crown of thorns and smashed it down on his head, when they pierced his side, and ripped the flesh from his back. Do you think he wasn't tempted to call for angels? You knew he thought about it. Well, how can you know that, Pastor? Because he told Peter. He said, don't you know that I could call for legions of angels right now and they would come and rescue me? then how will we ever find the grace of God? And so he was willing to say no to his own feelings to be able to say yes to the will of God. How about you? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a fight. We, we, we do each other a disservice if we act like it's no big deal to me. Like, I don't wrestle with it. There have been places and times that I've had to wrestle to forgive. Moments that I wanted vengeance. But what did the priest say? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You've got to let it, God have it. Give it to him and let it go. Well, how important is it? Pretty important. Look at Matthew 6. If you forgive them, this is Jesus speaking. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. 
And then we want to shake a fist at God and say, well, how come you won't forgive me? Did you forgive them? Because until you're able to forgive them, your sins are not forgiven. That's pretty powerful stuff, man. Those aren't my words. Those are his words. He hinges your ability to find forgiveness on your willingness to forgive others. It's a fight. Everybody say it's a fight. You have to choose to forgive. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I chose it before I ever felt it. <laughs> I chose to forgive before I ever felt forgiveness. But if you never choose to, you're never going to feel it. Listen to what he says. This is the last scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. It's Paul speaking. He said, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all the bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. How many of you are glad today that you've been forgiven? Amen. Are you happy about that? How many of you'd like to get what you deserve? No, I'm so thankful that I'm not getting what I deserve. But instead, I'm receiving the unmerited favor of God, his grace. Let me share this with you and bring it home because it's easy for you to say, well, yeah, but that's, you know, that's the Bible and that's Jesus and, you know, that's the son of God. Do you understand that he was fully man? while he's fully God. He took on our humanity. He took on every feeling that we feel. That's why it said that we can come boldly before the throne of grace because we've got a high priest that was tempted in like manner as we are. Somebody basically that understands us. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I understand you completely. <laughs> Did you ever say that to someone? Oh, I understand you completely. The truth is, is we don't. You know, we put on facades. We put on smiles when we're crying. We put on happy faces when we're angry. But God sees your heart. Kat was up here giving her testimony. What she discovered over the last few weeks is a God that refuses to let you run away from yourself that discovers your heart and presents it to you and says, if you'll let me have it, I can heal it. I can't tell you how many times I've had to bring my heart to God on a platter and say, God, please do something with it. It's so messed up. I got a friend right now, his heart's out of rhythm. He had to go to the hospital last night. His heart's out of rhythm said it's the second time in the last, what, two months or something. Heart's out of rhythm. You can't live like that. He said, man, I was, I'm wore out all the time. I feel like I'm just, I, 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 there's no peace. There's no rest. How many of you know that God can put your heart in rhythm? I want it in rhythm with his word. How about you? There's a story that told that happened. This was during the Korean War. A North Korean officer arrested a South Korean Christian and he was sentenced to death. When the young officer discovered that the man cared for an orphanage filled with small children, he decided not to execute him. Instead, he executed his 19-year-old son in front of him. 
I want that to sink in for a moment because I'm telling you right now, I'd a whole lot they'd rather kill me than my children. Time rocked along and the tide of war changed. The young officer found himself arrested. The United Nations Tribunal sentenced him and condemned him to die. And right before they went through with the death sentence, a man showed up. It was that same man whose son had been killed. And this is what he said, please don't kill him. He was young and he didn't realize what he was doing. Give him to me. Let me raise him. Let me train him. And they did. And that young man became a Christian of a pat and is pastoring a church. Why? Because someone took time to show the grace of God instead of seeking revenge. For give. Would you stand with me today? Forgive. You have to fight to do it sometimes. Forgive. Had a guy man just tell me off on a mission trip one day. I mean, just ate my lunch. People standing around looking at him and, well, how, what, what did you do? Well, I was just floating on a cloud, you know. No, I had blood rising. Fists clenched. Looking at him. And then all of a sudden, a wave of grace came over me because I knew I was in trouble without it. And I looked at him and I said, man, I'm sorry if I did something that upset you. I'm just asking you to forgive me. And he just kept going. At that point, I grabbed him and said, don't push it. No, I didn't say to that. I looked at him and again said, I'm sorry, I want you to forgive me. And he kept going. And I finally looked at him and I said, look, man, I've told you I'm sorry. I've asked you to forgive me. And that's all I can do. But some people won't let it go and you saw the result of what happens when you refuse to forgive it'll rob you of your life but when you choose to say yes <laughs> oh man it's joy unspeakable and full of glory your, what was that line again Joey you still have the best for me. How many of you believe that today? He's still. <laughs> oh, I know you've been through some stuff and I, I know it's been rough and I know it hasn't been easy, but you've been fighting for the faith. You, you know you're not alone and your fight to forgive is producing fruit because he still has the best for you. Are you ready for it? This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just everyone come and gather down to the front of this building. I know it's cold outside, but the temperature inside is what matters. There's a lot of times it's 100 degrees outside, but it's a below zero heart. So let your heart warm to his love. 
and let his hands touch you. Know this, that if God's for you, who can be against you? You're not going to get through life without having to navigate some stormy waters. But you need to remember this. He came walking to them in the storm. He didn't come in a submarine. He didn't come in a great big ship. He just walked on top of the water. Well, how come he wasn't afraid? He created the heavens and the earth. Do you think a storm's going to upset him? Don't let it upset you either. You've been created in his image, made in his likeness. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And the best thing you can do is say, Lord, I choose to forgive. And not only that, I'm gonna go spread some grace around today. I'm gonna go talk to some people about God. I'm gonna go share. I thought about what Kat's testimony when she said that the Lord was getting, or, or that she felt convicted about her not sharing it with others. That's what that scripture said, man. Go make sure that you're not letting anybody slip through your hands without affirming to them the grace of God. Make sure that you're spreading it heavy. I don't like a little bit of jelly on my toast. I like a lot of jelly. And come January 24th, <laughs> me and jelly's gonna get reacquainted. What I'm saying to you is this, choose not to live your life in bitterness. You said me. Hey, you remember that song? I don't know if you can do it or not. I know I'm putting you on a spot, but that's what faith can do. I know that's it's on a CD. You want me to play it for you? Just, that, that's what faith, faith can take a tree by the roots. Look, man, I've pulled weeds out here more times than I care about. And I'm telling you that those little weeds sometimes give me a run for my money. Can you imagine a tree and its roots? Jesus said, it ain't no big deal for faith. Faith in what? Faith in Him. Not faith in your ability. Faith in His ability. Do you know why I traveled and went into so many nations? Do you know why Joey's doing it? It's because we believe that God's big enough that he could take just a country boy and turn the world upside down. That's what they said about those that were at the house of Jason. These are those that have turned the world upside down. You wanna turn somebody's world upside down? Forgive them. You wanna turn somebody's world upside down? They're not expecting that. They're expecting you to come back and, and let them have it and get in their face and tell them off and spit all over them in the process. They're not expecting you to say, I forgive you. But when you do, it rocks their world. When you choose to rise up above it, maybe that's what he was talking about, that they'll mount up with wings as of eagles. <laughs> Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Are you ready for it? I want you to stretch your hand. Look, this is what I want to do. If, I, I want you to raise your hands. We're going to worship God together. But if, if you're having a specific problem with forgiveness, I want you to come and stand in front of me real quick. We're going to pray for you. If, if, because here's the deal. Now you can, you, you can hide in the crowd and say, I don't want anybody to know that that I have trouble forgiving. If you have trouble forgiving, they already know. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? They already know. What I'm saying is if, if you're having trouble with forgiving, I'm gonna put scotch tape on this on my ear next week. But if you have trouble forgiving, just say, God, take this heart and do something with it that I can't do for myself. And in a moment, he'll do it. I can tell you that firsthand. So if you've got, if, if you're experiencing something, I want you to move up here real quick, very quick. Just come on up very quickly. 
You know, Kat talked about pride and about, you know, she had to confess in front of everyone and being in control. This is our time of saying, look, I, I've tried to control everything and sometimes we're doing it and we don't even realize we're doing it, but we're doing it because we're hurt and God doesn't want you hurting anymore. God wants you to be able to spread your wings and sail above all that hurt, all that pain. Are you ready to let it go? Just stretch your hands to heaven with me. Guys, come up, give me a hand. All I'm going to do is I'm going to touch you and agree with you that God's going to take it from your heart right now. Will you believe that with me? Whatever, just that he's going to take it right now. fails to receive the grace of God by say it with me I'm going to look after you say it one more I'm going to look after you isn't that what a doctor does a doctor looks after your health you go and they look after you do you know how they describe Jesus as the great physician why? Because he, he ever intercedes. He's before the presence of God interceding for us right now. Right now. He does it in your darkest moments. He does it when you feel like you're in your deepest pit. He intercedes. The question becomes is, will you let him? If you're drowning and I'm trying to get you out of the water and you keep fighting me, 
what happens? I got to get you to surrender your will to mine. So a lot of times, don't take this wrong, but a lot of times if somebody's drowning and they're trying to rescue them, the person trying to do the rescue has to knock them out. Give them a shot. How many of you ever felt like God let you have one? <laughs> Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad that he broke in on you and said, hey, I, I need you to settle down here so I can get you to safety. I want you to turn around, look at your neighbor, and I want you to say this with me. Are you ready? I'm going to be looking after you. I'm, yeah, see, we all got a little nervous then. Are you, are you a stalker? I'm going, to, I'm going to be watching you. I'm going to be looking after you to make sure that you don't lose the grace of God that's available. Do you know what? Come here just a minute, would you? She drove all the way from Chicago last night to get here. Supposed to be in New York. She couldn't drive from New York. She's supposed to be here. That's right, that's right. No, you, you weren't supposed to be in New York. You're supposed to be here. And then when Dina just took that bold step, and thank you for doing that, because that was so appropriate and it was so needed, because all that perception that you had that you were alone, you weren't alone at all. And the feeling that you had that, man, I'm the only one wrestling with this. There were a lot of other folks wrestling with the same thing we got and they came forward to testify to that today in your obedience and willingness to say okay God I'll do it and I know you were upset because you you know no encounter night but we're going to have an encounter right now right now I want you just to stretch your hands to heaven Kendra I want you to come and stand beside her if you just put your arm around her and hold her. Feeling that someone loves you. Knowing that someone cares is worth more than this world ever has to offer. here today her job is very demanding because when you're exposed to grief all the time and the joy of the Lord is your strength then that only happens supernaturally and so this is what I'm believing God for today to supernaturally supply for her yes. how many of you believe that yes. with me father I thank you Lord for your hand today I just ask right now in Jesus' name, Lord, that you touch her, strengthen her, Lord, and breathe joy into every fiber of her being. Let her days be good days. Give her words, God, that speak peace and comfort to families in critical times. And let that well that you've promised up that springs up into a fountain of life continue to flow through her. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name today. Thank you, Father. Can you love him? Can you love him? All right. Getting ready to let you go. Everybody take somebody by the hand. I know you're going to walk out of here going, this is the hand holding this church I've ever been in in my life. When you go out, here's your commission. You've got to spread some grace around. 
you you have man that when I when I got a hold of that and studying this and I saw what Paul's saying to us make sure make sure that everyone knows don't let it fail don't let anyone fail in knowing the grace of God I'm telling you my life would be a mess right now without his grace I, it scares me sometimes to think where I would be or if I would be because there were points in my life where my thinking was so messed up when I was a younger man and, and in a neighborhood that wasn't a good neighborhood and no matter where I was God was there and he was tracking me down he's got your number grace is hot on your trail and it refuses to let you out of his sight so what we're going to do is become a conduit man if I had just, if, 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 I wish I had an electric fence right now with everybody holding your hands because my, my aunt was a conductor of electricity. It's a true story. She could grab hold of an electric fence and it wouldn't, she wouldn't feel the impact of it, but she reached out and got my dad and it knocked the fire out of him. <laughs> wow. Well, let's do this. How about better than an electric fence? How about we just reach up and get a hold of the hotline and just let the power of the Holy Ghost, let His Spirit light you up right now come on let it light you up and then you be a conductor of that you let it flow through you to someone else not past you but through you to someone else I want you to say this with me as we close in prayer today father today I choose to connect with you I invite you to fill me to an overflow so that everywhere I go, I'm spilling out on someone else in Jesus' name. Come on now and give me a hand clap of praise You've in this house. You've given me life. You've opened yes, my eyes.